Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. sharing with him a story uh, that happened to me many years ago and and uh, from that I want to just talk to you today kind of born out of that conversation I've talked about it several times through the years but let's just ask God to touch his word would you do that Lord I love you today I really truly appreciate the privilege that you have given us to be in the house of the Lord and I'm asking you this morning God to touch my mind and my heart And to strengthen us, God, that we might receive your word, that we might receive your word in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Amen. And you can be seated. Before I minister today, I I do want to say that immediately following the service, Sister Boyd and I are going to slip out. And uh, we are leaving this afternoon for uh, Indianapolis to go to our general conference. And so we're not asking you only to pray for us to have... Uh, safe travels, but we want to receive something from the Lord while we're there, and we're going in great expectation of doing just that, and uh, not just the the word of the Lord, but I'm also thankful for the fellowship those venues provide, and so we just ask you to pray for us uh, while we're away, and also to be make sure that you're faithful here while we're away, amen, because we don't ever know on Wednesday night what needs going to walk through that door. And so we need to be ready and let the Spirit of God touch us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Thank you for your attention today, and I appreciate the Spirit of the Lord that has already moved up until now. Many years ago, I was in service, and uh, a minister was asked to stand and, and, uh, and to testify. He was really just uh, an acknowledgement from the pulpit of his being in the—he uh, wasn't the guest speaker, and— and uh, didn't even want to be on the platform, but he just uh, was asked to stand and, and to say something. And he stood that night, and he just, for just a few minutes, just a few moments, he talked about uh, some wonderful things of the Lord. It was a very uplifting uh, exhortation. And then he concluded his remarks with this phrase, Don't ever forget in the midnight hour what God promised you in the sunlight of his love. And I wrote that down. I thought, wow, uh, I, I love quotes anyway. And, and I don't ever forget in the midnight hour what God promised you in the sunlight of his love. And I, I understand it's just a few words and it, it's, it, it sounds good. And it, but it was more than just words. It was more than just a man standing and saying something. But there was such passion behind those words that were spoken. And uh, truly, I believe with all of my heart that it wasn't a man just talking about words, but it was a man speaking from experience. Don't ever forget in the midnight hour 
what God promised you in the sunlight of his love. I suppose that man is gone. He's passed away now. But I suppose if we were to be able to peel back the layers of his life, I would imagine there is some, perhaps even more than one experience that he walked through where there was a temptation to forget in the midnight hour what God had promised him in the sunlight of his love. I was compelled that evening to write that phrase down, kept it in my Bible for many years, but uh, it's been in my heart longer than it's been in my Bible. It was just a simple statement, but for more than 30 years, it has been something that I've held on to. I am, I am quite confident that there are some in this room that have struggled to hold on to some precious truth or promise that God has given you at some point in your journey or your walk with him. It would be just quite all right to admit that. Amen. We have started out our walk with God, perhaps with great strength, unyielding faith, only to have our faith tried at some point, and some tried to the point of breaking. Can I get a witness? Amen, that our faith just seemed as though it were just tethered to a little bit more than just uh, something we thought would carry us, but in fact it did. But that just seems to be the nature of life. Well, I believe no one here would dare want to live any other way. We would have to admit that sometimes that our journey through life, there have been seasons where the feeling of utter loneliness was immeasurable. I'm not talking about... Uh, not being around people, but I, I'm telling you that the spirit of loneliness can set in in your heart and you could be in a room of 10,000 people and feel like the loneliest person in the world. Amen. I, I, I have been there. You have been there. But I want us to consider just a couple of passages of Scripture today. And, and uh, as we do, let's consider the heart and the mind, the lives of the disciples of, of Christ. I want to turn our attention to the book of Mark, chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read uh, uh, the same story in a couple of different passages. And in the process of this, we may well find ourselves. In, in Mark 6 and 45, the Bible says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he sent them away, he departed unto a mountain to pray. And when even was come... The ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land, and he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by, or passed by them. And when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. In verse 52, the Bible, in referring now back in time, the Bible says they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They had been in the presence of God in the midst of a miraculous, a very miraculous moment. And then it just seems like in just a matter of a little while, perhaps it could have been just been a, a few hours, that they find themselves having completely forgotten all about the miracle 
of the loaves because their heart was hardened. Their heart was focused on the moment that they were in and not the moment that they had lived. Now, if you contrast that passage of Scripture uh, from, from Mark's writings, if you contrast that against John's account of the very same story, this is John's account. John 6 and 16, and, the, when, he, and when even was come, his disciples went down into the ship and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, the Bible says. And Jesus was, was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of great wind that blew. And when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship. They were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at land, whither they went. Many times in Scripture we find curious phrases that it's not terminology that we use today when we hear Mark say something about the fourth watch of the night. Well, if someone asks you what time it is today, you don't say, well, it's about the fourth watch. That's not the vernacular that we use, but uh, maybe that would be somewhere around 3 a.m. John, in his writing, simply refers to that time as being dark, or he said that even or evening was come. And so it was dark, and, it's, and so it seems that no matter how each one records it in their own unique way, that both Mark and John uh, would are, are emphasizing in their, in their writings that this experience took place at night or it took place in the dark. It certainly took place in the absence of light. Now, we are not uh, nocturnal as hu humankind. We're not nocturnal by nature, and we don't function at our peak in the dark. And uh, when my wife and I were first dating, I worked a job, worked all night, and, and uh, worked from 10 at night till 8 o'clock in the morning. And I just never could get adapted to that. I know that there are people who can. And uh, I had tinfoil on the windows, and I did everything anybody said to do to try to sleep during the day. But it just seemed like uh, the, the opposite way of living life. That This is just not how you're supposed to do it. And so I was... Tired all night long, consequently in time, tired all day long. Because we're not nocturnal by nature. Biologically, we're not equipped for the dark. That's not how God designed us. Amen. Not at all. Our eyes and our ears and our senses, everything was designed to operate and function at its optimum in light. Night and darkness were intended for man to be a time of rest. Amen. And so that's, that's just the way God has designed it. And so when the sun goes down many times, certainly before uh, electric and things of that nature, when the sun went down, man went to bed. When the sun came up, man got up. And uh, that was God's way and that was God's clock. And, and so the sun became the clock of the early man and the sun and the absence of it dictated his life. In Genesis 1 and 4, the scripture says that God saw the light and it was good, and God divided light from darkness. And, and darkness, in truth, is just the absence of light. So if you just simply remove the light, then darkness is, is the natural thing. You don't have to turn on the light and then flip another switch for darkness to come in. Darkness is just the absence of light. 
And so Satan, uh, all throughout Scripture, is forever associated with darkness and dark places. In Ephesians 12, or in Ephesians 6 and 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Amen. So with, Satan is associated with darkness. Paul, in his writing to the Colossian church, uh, he, he said that we have been delivered from the power of darkness. Amen. Aren't you thankful to be among those that have been delivered from the power of darkness? Amen. I hope you're not so far removed from that experience that you don't think it might have been all that dark. Amen. I believe there's some people here today that remember how dark their lives were without God. And it's not a place they would ever want to revisit again. And so during our journey through this world, we need to have the same understanding that Solomon had. He said in Ecclesiastes 11 and 8, If a man, if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. And that all that cometh is vanity. Amen. So Solomon is saying, uh, there's a lot of things you're going to rejoice about in your life, and uh, but let him remember the days of darkness because I'm going to tell you that sometimes in the dark days is when we learn a lot about the power and the privilege of light. <laughs> How many of us have ever... And, if we're kind of susceptible to power outages and when the light is out, you're walking around with a flashlight and you walk in the room and <laughs> and you flip the switch just inherently. It's just... It's just there because we are, we're not accustomed to that. I mean, we're, we're, that's just not how we live our lives. We're accustomed to doing something about the light. Solomon said that there will be days of darkness. There will be days. I'm not here to paint your world gray, but let's follow this for a little bit. There will be days when you can't see your way out. There'll be situations that seem perpetual and that there is no end. Days of not knowing what lies ahead of us or days... Uh, of extreme fear of the unknown and days when the powers of darkness can play with our mind, that utter darkness, days when darkness in our imagination starts taking over and gets the better of our judgment. Now, we've all been there. I mean, when we imagine those things around the corner that we can't see, I mean, days of darkness where we don't know where we're going to go or what we're going to do, days when we feel vulnerable or inadequate, days when we feel ill-equipped, unprepared, days where we feel absolutely and utterly helpless. Amen. It seems like that wherever you turn, it's just another locked door or another closed opportunity. Amen. Days when we feel troubled and distressed. Days when there are we're charting through unknown waters and we don't know exactly where our, our next step is going to be. Amen. But I'm, I'm thankful today that in those seasons, God has proven himself again and again and again. The Bible even talks about darkness and one place and, and refers to it as the horror of darkness. Amen. The key to surviving days of darkness is just this. Don't ever forget in the midnight hour what God promised you in the sunlight of his love. If God told me he was going to see me through, Brother Osborne, he has always seen me through. That doesn't mean that between the promise 
and the fulfillment of that promise that I didn't have moments of uncertainty and doubt and unbelief and it felt like my world was just going to crush in and crush me to death. Amen. The horror the horror of darkness, that horror of darkness. And so I've got to hold on to the words that that man stood and he spoke. You know, I want to just go back to that just a moment. I've been that person. I've been that person visiting a service and you're just sitting back and somebody says, we're happy to have Brother Boyd. And I had to stand and say something. <laughs> stand, stand and say something. I'm not sure how far off guard that caught that gentleman that night, but it just seemed like those words were just right there. And like a wellspring, they flowed out of his heart. He has no earthly idea that I was in the building and that it impacted my heart and my life and that I'm speaking about it again today. Amen. Can I tell you, don't ever discount an opportunity you've been given to say something. If somebody says to say something, we ought to, we ought to be able to stand and say, Lord, help me to have something significant to say what we, we think about David in Psalms 119 he said the entrance of thy words they giveth light the entrance of thy words they they giveth light unto me amen so when those times of darkness come I'm going to tell you what we need to do. We need to speak God's word and we need to claim his promises. If you don't know how to pray, amen sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought. you ever been there? Amen, I'm gonna tell you, I'm, I'm, there have been times that I've just had to take my Bible. I'm being very serious. There have been times that I just felt like that I have been muted and silenced by the circumstance that I was facing, but I'm just going to speak the word of God. Amen, I'm gonna pray the word of God. I'm gonna claim the promises of God and I'm gonna stand on his holy word. Amen, the heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word is gonna stand and so today... God, I don't really have anything fancy to say. I don't really have any fancy flowing words. This is not a prayer. Somebody would want to sit on the other side of the door and chronicle this for the ages. No, no. I'm just going to stand on your word. You gave me a promise, and I'm going to hold on to that promise. I'm going to cling to it with everything that I have. Amen. David also said that the word of God was a lamp to his feet, and it was a light to his path. And so when I am in a season of darkness, darkness. Amen. I am going to hold forth the word of God and let it illuminate today and let it illuminate my future. Praise God. If we think about the disciples in the setting of these two scriptures, they had gotten in a boat and crossed over a sea. Amen. Jesus had went to the mountain to pray. He had just multiplied loaves and fishes and fed 5,000 people with 12 baskets of, of things left over. And at evening time, he sent them away. Amen. He sent them on. You just go ahead and I'm going to break up the crowd. I'm going to the mountain to pray. The Bible says that he watched his disciples cross the sea. There's some comfort to me in that passage of scripture, in that phrase that he watched them in the dark. He knew where they were. They weren't so far out of his sight that he wasn't aware. Amen. Then Jesus went to the mountain to pray. Think about that for a moment. This was the first time that they were traveling without him. Amen. He was going to try 
to see what they're going to do in a situation when darkness fills your world. They're in the midst of the sea. In the midst of darkness, they were rowing and toiling because the wind, the Bible says, was contrary to them. The wind in their face was opposing their destination, but they said, we got to get there no matter what. I want to tell you today, you may be facing some winds of opposition that are opposing your destination, that are opposing you getting where God is wanting you to be. But can I tell you, there's an all-seeing eye that is watching and he knows exactly where you are. He knows where you are in the journey. He was watching and waiting and observing their situation and observing their response. And he came to them walking on the storm that they thought was gonna take their life. He came to them in their midst of crisis. He came to them even when it was dark. Amen, they supposed that he was a spirit, not sure what he was. Amen, they were they were grown men. Let's not be critical, but it was dark. Amen, they were grown men. They were followers of the Lord. They were his disciples, but it was dark. They watched him perform great miracles, amen, in the daylight. They watched people miraculously be fed and 12 baskets of fragments remaining, but now it's not daylight. Now it's not noon. Now it's not miracle time, but now it's dark. And in the dark days, your imagination can take over. Fear can rule your heart. Noises that you hear in the day are nothing that become everything at midnight. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Do you think you need to check out what that is? You think you might need to go look? It wouldn't even have come on the radar at noon. But because it's dark. Amen. It was dark. And when we hear those things in the dark, it just is another story. Amen. I'm going to tell you last night, <laughs> the gospel truth. Last night, I heard somebody knock on our door. And they knocked on our door, like kind of like Justin knocks on the door. And so I'm going, hey. And generally, if the door's locked on the other side, they'll say something kind of back. And uh, nothing. I said, Maybe the Lord let this happen for a little sermon illustration this morning. I don't know. But I hollered again, hey, nothing still happened. And now I'm a little unsure because I'm confident that somebody knocked on the door. So I turned the blinds and I don't, I don't know what's going to be right on the other side of that blind. I kind of, you know, I turned the blinds from the arm's length. I don't want somebody, <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you that don't mess with me in the dark. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm dangerous in the daylight. Don't mess with me at dark. <laughs> and uh, you, you got that image, didn't you? Barney Five on the other side. I was like, I was just confident somebody was there. Finally, nobody was there. I was so sure that somebody knocked on the door. I opened the door and walked outside. <laughs> Had two pistols in each pocket. <laughs> I know that's what you're thinking. Dark, dark will mess with you. Dark will mess with you. I know there's some big old brawny, broad-shouldered guys here, so I ain't afraid of nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> 
carry on in your world, carry on. But the word in the dark can make things happen in your mind, your imagination. The Bible says these the disciples they were manly men. Can I get a witness of that? I mean, they were fishermen. I mean, they these these guys they knew how to get they knew how to get by in the day's time. Amen. Mark the, about Mark six says they were afraid. And they considered not the miracle of the loaves. And I want to tell you, I believe that darkness had everything to do with that. I don't think they were ingrateful, ungrateful. I don't think that they that it was that, that it was just a, a spirit of ingratitude or didn't appreciate the power of God. But I think dark, just something about dark, erased everything that had happened. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. Amen. They allowed the darkness and the storm and the winds and the tolling to blind them of what God had just done hours before. So don't doubt in the darkness what has been said and done in the light. Amen. We may cope during the day, but night seems to compound a lot of things. Night can compound pain. Night can compound problems. Night can compound fever. And night can compound grief and sorrow. I'm being very serious. It, it's, it's not a wives' tale. Fevers spike at night. Pain just exaggerates itself at night. Sorrow. Sorrow, just sorrow gets taller and broader in the night. Tears that were repressed during the day flow freely at night. Job said in Job chapter 30 verse 17, My bones are pierced in me in the night season and my sinews take no rest. But the great force of my disease is my garment changed and it bindeth me about as the collar of my coat. Amen. My bones are pierced in me in the night season. David said in Psalm 77, In the day of, of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted when it was in the night season. Through, through the years, we all have had some very serious battles to face. It has been during those times that we had to absolutely trust the word of God. I'm not just saying this for the sake of an illustration or for the sake of trying to segue into another thing. But I've been the person that's been in the audience that when the preacher was preaching, he wasn't just burping out a bunch of words, but heaven came down. And somebody threw a lifeline to me and I got a hold of it. And I'm going to tell you that I stand here today as a testimony that in the midnight hour, God had a word that held me and it kept me. Amen. There have been certainly ministers and, and men in my life that I have been privileged to meet because I was so determined to meet them because of what their ministry had meant to me through the years. 
I'm not trying to talk about making many gods of people. I don't mean it that way. But I'm just telling you that you don't ever forget a voice that God used to pull you up and to pluck you out of a drowning sea. Amen. So we must remember what God has said in the light. We have to remember God's word before the trial, before the pain, before the anxiety, before that night season, before we lost our job or our companion left. We have to remember what God said before our friends walked away. We have to remember what God said before all the bills came due. We've got to remember that God said, I'm going to keep you. Amen. The Bible says God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. I don't know about you, but I take some consolation from 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 where the Bible says, No temptation has taken you but such as is common to man. I don't mean this to sound morbid, but even though there's no healing virtue in the fact that when you've got some sort of maybe a a bug that's going around, whether that's a little flu bug or something else, but there is some consolation when you find out that other people have it. You're not glad somebody else is sick. I don't mean that. You're not glad somebody else is feeling what you're feeling, but you understand that that really has nothing to do with me. There's just something in the air. There's something that's going around. Several years ago at one of our district conferences, I don't know, about three or four years ago, there were about 25 or 30 people that, that come down with the flu and we were among that, that group of people. And so something was just, somebody there was that had something and it just spread like wildfire. We're, we weren't glad that 28 other people were feeling what we felt, but we were sure glad to know we weren't alone. And so when I read Corinthians 10 and 13, and I realized that, No temptation has taken me, but such as is common to man. Somebody has walked this way before. God is faithful. Who will not suffer us to be tempted above that we're able, but with every temptation will make a way of escape so that we may be able to bear it. I want you to stand, if you will. And here is my request. It seems simple today if the sun is out in your life. What I'm going to ask you to do today will... It won't, be a, it won't be a hill to climb to a mountain climber if the sun is out in your life. But I ask you today, don't doubt in the midnight hour what God promised you in the sunlight of his love. We cannot ever understand, never will we be able to calculate 100%, the distance that lies between God's promise and the the fulfillment. I have had things said to me, if you want to call it prophetically or whatever, with such anointing, with such power, it gave me the impression that it would be on my doorstep by daylight. I am very honest. Such a moment, such an inspiration. And then days turn to weeks, weeks to months, sometimes months to years. And we're going... Where do we miss it? Somewhere there's something missing, but God said he was going to do it. He didn't say when. 
And so in your moment of doubt and unbelief and the moment when you think it could never be, somehow i got to reach up and say, God, help me to remember in this midnight hour what you promised me. Amen. The Lord's made some promises here today. Many people here who are holding on to some promises. So I just believe my job today has been to tell you this. Don't forget in the midnight hour. Don't start doubting then what God promised you in the sunlight of his love. Can we pray? Let's worship the Lord. Let's just close with this song today. Magnify the name of the Lord. and Magnify the name of the Lord. God, I love you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One more time, your message moves me. Let's sing it. Move me with your message once again. It's been so long since my heart was broke within take me back once more to Calvary oh so one more time Let's sing it one more time. Move me with your message, Lord. Move me with your message once again. It's been so long since my heart was broken. be moved. I want to be moved by the presence of God. Don't ever let me get used to this, Lord, so much so that I'm unimpressed when you're in my midst.
Amen. I want to be moved with the power of God. Lord, I love you today. Thank you for the wonderful time we've had today. Thank you for the word of the Lord that Sister Amanda spoke today. I thank you, God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.